It's the beginning of a new year. It's a time of reflection and a chance to look back at what we've done and what we've made. Here at Psychologia, we've been thinking about the work we've put together since we launched the show three years ago and how it's developed and evolved over time. One of the things I'm most proud of is how the scripts I write relate to and meld with the soundscapes that Cameron creates, and many of you have commented on how beautifully his work weaves itself throughout these stories. We were curious about how those soundscapes weave together, so we devised an experiment to test exactly that. What you're about to hear is an amalgamation of the sonic worlds from several episodes from the last three seasons. It's weird, quirky, immersive, and transporting, and we recommend listening with headphones. So find yourself a comfy chair in a quiet corner, lean back with your eyes closed, and take this chance to pause, poised at the beginning of a new decade, and be fully enveloped in the sounds of Psychologia. Welcome to the Psychologia Mixtape, an auditory exploration of the strange and in force outside the Civic Center protesting the Black Mass. For Catholics, it's the most grievous offense against God that you can commit. Hundreds were even bussed in from out of state. We came down here to show our displeasure in a prayerful, peaceful way, uh, to, to show our support for God and our faith and to stand up to Satan. Some of the protesters, though, started fighting amongst themselves as different factions of Christianity collided. Civic Center employees took security precautions and allowed ticket holders to come in the side entrance and kept protesters away from the area. Darn it! 
send him back, moving his arms as if pointing to the terrible scene he had witnessed. And for a fortnight lay in a hospital bed in Boulogne. When admitted under my care, he displayed a picture of abject terror, muttering continually, No send back. Dead all around. Jackson, did you do that? Um, no, nope. didn't do that. No, I did not. The immediate question is not how big is this or what is its organizational structure or are babies really killed and eaten or is this an illusion? Those aren't the questions. Those are, those are later questions to be answered. was brought to a psychiatric emergency room after she called the police and reported there was a stranger in her house. Missy had a history of prior psychiatric hospitalizations and was previously diagnosed with schizophrenia. When the police arrived, she explained that her husband was not her husband, but a stranger. She became argumentative and combative towards the police officers. Due to her history of past psychiatric incidents involving the police, she was brought to the psychiatric emergency room. She was known to have consumed half a pint of brandy, and some of her symptoms were thought to be alcohol-related. 
When evaluated in the emergency room, she reported her distress was due to the imposter that had recently been substituted for her husband, and that this imposter made her life miserable. She reported that she could not take it anymore, and wanted to get rid of him, so she called the police. She exhibited paranoid beliefs, such as neighbors poisoning her, and reported auditory hallucinations. Chicago, a group of well-known therapists from all over the country had the courage to share horror stories. We're talking about people in some cases who are coming to us as patients who were raised in satanic cults from the time they were born. provinces of Canada and uh, one from England with very similar data. If just a tiny bit of it is true, uh, it's appalling and uh, there's a need for somebody to do something. Part of the, the, the power of the cult, both with the individual and with the others around it, is its ability to induce fear.
I would bomb the shit out of them. And that's right, I'd blow up the pipes, I'd blow up the refi, I'd blow up every single inch, there would be nothing left, and you know what? We got rid of one rule from 40 years ago that could have forced some dairy farmers to spend $10,000 a year proving that they could contain a spill, because milk was somehow classified as an oil. And with a rule like that, I guess it was worth crying over spilled milk. I don't know who created Pokemon Go, but I'm trying to figure out how we get them to have Pokemon go to the polls. Really swiftly identify and remove. And they will We're going to check the one Plains Chrysler Jeep Dodge and Central Avenue Chrysler Jeep Dodge. Westchester's two largest Chrysler dealers have combined. The story of the Phantom Anesthesis begins in Mattoon, Illinois, on the first night of September 1944, when a woman reported to the police that someone had opened her bedroom window and sprayed her with a sickish, sweet smelling gas which partially paralyzed her legs and made her ill. Soon, other cases with similar symptoms were reported, and the police organized a full-scale effort to catch the elusive gasser. Some of the Mattoon citizens armed themselves with shotguns and sat on their doorsteps to wait for him. Some even claimed that they caught a glimpse of him and heard him pumping his spray gun. As the number of cases increased, as many as seven in one night, and the facilities of the local police seemed inadequate to the size of the task. The state police with radio-equipped squad cars were called in, and scientific crime detection experts went to work, analyzing stray rags for gaseous chemicals and checking the records of patients recently released from the state institutions. Before long, the phantom anesthetist of the tune had appeared in newspapers all over the United States,
in the presence of the secondary executioner and within sight of one or more members of the execution team, the primary executioner will administer the lethal chemicals in the following manner. The executioner will remove from the stand on the worktop the syringe labeled number one, which contains two and one half grams of sodium pentothal in solution. Place the blunt cannula into the open port of the IV extension set and push the entire contents of that syringe into the IV port at a rate that meets the injection resistance of the cannula. When the syringe is depleted, he or she will hand the empty syringe to the secondary executioner for safe disposal. This procedure will be repeated with the syringe labeled number two, which also contains two and one half grams of sodium pentothal in solution. At this point, a member of the execution team will assess whether the inmate is unconscious. The warden must determine, after consultation, that the inmate is indeed unconscious. Until the inmate is unconscious and the warden has ordered the executioners to continue, the executioners shall not proceed to the following step.
the executioner will remove from the stand on the worktop the syringe labeled number 3, which contains 20 milliliters of saline solution. Place the blunt cannula into the open port of the IV extension set and push the entire contents of that syringe into the IV port at a rate that meets the injection resistance of the cannula. When the syringe is depleted, he or she will hand the empty syringe to the secondary executioner for safe disposal. This procedure will be repeated with the syringe labeled numbers 4 and 5, both of which contain 50 milligrams of pancuronium bromide. Thank you for listening, Mama. Most, and often all of those, affected are females. In fact, of the 2,000 plus cases in my files, which date back to 1566, this pattern holds true over 99% of the time. The core question is not if, but why females are more susceptible to mass hysteria. Explanations fall into two broad camps, nature and nurture.
The executioner will then remove from the stand on the worktop the syringe labeled number 7, which contains 120 milliequivalents of potassium chloride. Place the blunt cannula into the open port of the IV extension set and push the entire contents of that syringe into the IV port at a rate that meets the injection resistance of the cannula. When the syringe is depleted, he or she will hand the empty syringe to the secondary executioner for safe disposal. Finally, the procedure will be repeated with the last syringe, labeled number 8, which also contains 120 milliequivalents of potassium chloride. Throughout the execution process, one or more designated members of the execution team will observe the heart monitors. If the heart monitors reflect a flat line reading during or following the complete administration of the lethal chemicals, the physician will examine the inmate to determine whether there is complete cessation of respiration and heartbeat. Once the inmate is pronounced dead by the physician, a designated member of the execution team will record the time of death on the lethal injection procedures checklist. The warden will notify the governor via the open phone line that the sentence has been carried out and the time of death. A designated member of the execution team will turn on the PA system and announce to the gallery that the sentence has been carried out.
Thank you for listening to Psychologia. This episode was created and produced by me, Amaya Perda, with original sound design and music composition by Cameron Carter. You can find the names of all the episodes sampled in this mixtape on our website, psychologiapodcast.com. If you like what we do, please tell people about us any way you can. We'll be back in two weeks with another scientific exploration of the strange and pathological.